Good afternoon, everybody. You're tuned in to KDNK, and it's time for Ask the Vet. Uh, my name is Darren. I'm a veterinary technician that works at Alpine Animal Hospital in Carbondale. And today I have Dr. Louise Marin with me. How are you doing? Hi, Darren. I'm great. Thanks for joining me today. Perfect. So we have a couple of topics that we're going to potentially talk about today. Um, Pet travel, uh, you know, with restrictions kind of lifting a little bit, we're starting to see a lot of people traveling with their pets, both in-state, out-of-state, international. So um, I think that's going to be our big topic today. Um, And then if we have enough time, excuse me, we will um, kind of segue into pet behavioral problems. Um, just as a quick reminder, this is a call-in show. So if you have any questions while we're um, kind of going through our topics today, you can give us a jingle here at 970-963-2976. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump into it. And when we talk about, let's start with interstate travel. Um Let's see, what would you say is one of the biggest um, requirements between states for traveling with pets? So the interstate travel restrictions have eased off quite a bit in recent years. It used Mm -hmm. to be that a health certificate was a requirement to travel even between states in the United States, Mm -hmm. um, even if that was in a car. And I think that as of late, that is just not anything that anybody ever asks for or looks for. So I find very infrequently that that is a issue at hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly traveling by car entails or can entail a lot of kind of preparation and knowledge in terms of bringing your dog or your cat with you. In addition to the governmental requirements for crossing state lines. Have you ever traveled with a pet, Darren? I am, I, this is going to sound bad. I am fortunate enough that I've never had to, um, but no, I, I haven't. Okay. But. Yeah. I mean, so some pets love to travel, mm-hmm. dogs mostly, but some dogs hate to travel. Right. So it's good for people to know if they need to travel with a pet who either hates it or is just unaccustomed to it, that there are some resources Mm -hmm. available to try to help make that a little bit easier on the animal. Exactly. Cats in particular tend to be poor travelers. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, a large (laughs) part of that is they're just not used to it. They're not acclimated. They're not accustomed. They get into a rolling box and just get super freaked out. Yeah. I think I would feel the same way if I was put into a box. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So one of the things, kind of one of the main things that we have access to are some pharmaceuticals that can help alleviate the stress and the anxiety for pets of being in a car. Another thing that sometimes can contribute to their stress, in addition to just being an unfamiliar kind of freaky environment is nausea pets do get Mm. motion sickness from being in the car so combine that with just not knowing what the heck's going on (laughs) and can really create a lot of distress yeah doesn't sound like a good time i mean i get car sick (laughs) so i can't imagine being super anxious and nauseous all at this not a good time for sure yeah and they don't always vomit you know so some people will say well i don't think they're sick because they don't you know, nothing's coming out and that doesn't always manifest that way. Sometimes they'll just feel really poorly, but kind of keep things on the inside. Exactly. Exactly. So 
Yeah, so that kind of covers mostly the um, the driving in between states. Um, there's not a whole lot of requirements for that in, in regards to like a health certificate. Um, but when we move on and talk about flying, that kind of gets, I feel like it gets to be a little bit of a, a weird muddy area because some airlines require health certificates. Others just require just some basic information. Um, what are your thoughts about that and your experience with those types of situations? Yeah, that's kind of a moving target. So every airline is going to have kind of its own guidelines. And so it's really important if you need or want to travel with your pet by air that you call the air carrier company Mm -hmm. and find out specifically what they want and also what they allow. So there's been kind of a a movement among the population to want to claim their pet dog as a service dog, Mm -hmm. as an emotional support animal. And while that may be pretty legitimate for for a lot of people, the airlines have kind of gotten savvy that that's not always the case. And so they now require you to have a letter from your human, from your own personal doctor to, you know, state that you need this emotional support animal. And so in many cases, pets are not allowed in the cabin. Yeah. Um, You know, a lot of that's based on size. Exactly. And so the requirements by the airlines mainly uh, pertain to the animal's safety and what type of climate they can tolerate for what duration of time Mm -hmm. because they're going to be, you know, loading them potentially into the luggage compartment in the heat or the cold. So certain breeds, you know, like a Chihuahua is going to have a lot less of a buffer on temperature than a lab. Or a bulldog, perhaps, who just really can't tolerate heat at all. So Exactly. Yeah, with that smushed fate, it's, it's kind of hard for them to, you know, monitor their temperature up in the air. <laughs> yeah. Um, we kind of talked about, like, the anxiety and the nausea stuff with just driving. Um, I feel like we don't see a lot of, like, the nausea, quote-unquote, with flying. Um, but I feel like we definitely can see some of that same anxiety stuff. Um, and those, I feel like we prescribe the same pharmaceuticals for those pets that are anxious, both in the air and on the ground. Would you say so? Yep. A lot of the same kind of medications we're going to reach for and just, it can be pretty difficult to know what dose is necessary. Most of those medications have a pretty wide range of safe dosing Mm -hmm. in terms of the physical health of the animal, but their effects in terms of how much sedation they do or don't cause can be quite variable depending on the timing of the dose relative to the time of the stressful event. Um, you know, it, you can give a dog a dose of, let's say, whatever generic medication. You yeah. give them two tablets at home and they're kind of acting like they might not walk for the next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas you give them those two tablets and they've already got their adrenaline flowing because of the car ride to the airport. And now they act like they don't feel anything. So right. it can be can be a little bit tricky to dial that in. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say that I feel like we give a recommendation somewhat frequently that they, if we do prescribe those medications that, um, clients kind of tested at home with the dosing ranges that we've given to see what their reaction is before they just give it and go sort of thing. Yep. And that is true. And yet still 
it yeah you know i i suppose the, the what we want people to know is if their animal doesn't react at all at home then it definitely right. won't be yeah, exactly. enough when they actually need it mm-hmm. exactly all right, just another friendly reminder. Uh, this is a call-in show, so if anybody out there has any questions about what we're talking about today, um, if you're traveling with a pet and you have a question about, you know, donation or whatever, or what that looks like for your vet, um, give us a call. The number here is 970-963-2976. Um, kind of chugging along with... Is there really a whole lot else to cover with interstate flying stuff? Because I don't think... Most states require that health certificate, like state um, organizations require that health certificate when you're flying either. Is that right? Right. And fortunately, um, our neighboring countries, Canada and Mexico, don't actually require a lot more than the interstate travel. Mm -hmm. Again, that's changed in recent years. It used to be that you needed a piece of paper documentation. But now really all you need is proof of a rabies vaccination. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't require any sort of special signed piece of paper by an accredited veterinarian. So <clears throat> the only uh, veterinarian that has permission or that will be acceptable by the governmental agencies for these certificates that you're talking about mm-hmm. have to go through a process of education and certification by the USDA, right. the Department of the Animal Plant and Health Inspection. Mm-hmm. So. It's some, it can be some pretty serious business for sure. Um, one thing that kind of comes to mind is Hawaii. Um, I know they're part of the United States, but they have a little bit different recommendations or requirements, I should say, not recommendations. Um, and th- they're fairly intense. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you know on that. <laughs> so, um, from what I've seen in practice, the Hawaii requirements are that we have to do th- what we call Favin rabies titers. Um, and those alone can take, ooh, is it one to two months to get back, if I remember correctly? Um, so that's a, a blood test that, you know, we take the blood, um, we send it to an outside lab. Um, and when we talk about titers, what we're talking about is the um, immune reaction or the immune, immune cells that um, pets have in their body um, to a certain... Um, virus or disease. So Hawaii has some pretty strict um, protocols for that because I don't think they have rabies there, to my knowledge. Um, so they really want to kind of keep it, quote unquote, clean and free of rabies. So um, unfortunately, with Hawaii, we can't just up and decide, oh, we're going to Hawaii tomorrow, and we're bringing the dogs. It can be a pretty intense month long process, a couple of months even. Yeah, so you have to have either those titers mm-hmm. and proof of vaccination right. and a certain amount of time passed between, you know, each of those steps. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense and can sometimes be cutting it pretty close if you plan a Christmas trip. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Hawaii is one of those. Oh, it looks like we have a caller. Hi there. Thanks for calling in. Hey there. Well, thank you for having me. Um I don't know if this is uh, um, just about travel with pets. And and I had kind of two questions quickly, but are ferrets now, or can they fly on a plane? Hmm. I was told, noob. Hmm. 
They're oh, still I'm... considered to be <laughs> feral animals. Gotcha. Right. You tell me something that lies back in a hammock and nibbles on blueberries and pizza is not domesticated. <laughs> That's definitely a good question. I don't have experience with ferret travel um, or the requirements for that. Uh, Dr. Marin, do you have a insight on that? I have never written a health certificate for a ferret to, to travel by plane. Had you Were you told that by the airline? I was, yes. Yeah. Well, I guess they get the final say. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Gotcha. Yeah. I just found it kind of amusing. <laughs> but, um, definitely a good question, though. This is definitely domesticated, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm almost blanking uh, on the next one. But um, health certificates for animals, um, I'm... How bad? I'm just kind of is it just is this just about traveling though? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're okay. happy to answer really yeah. any question that you have. No, I no, I'm um, no, I I actually lost a pet just three days ago, oh. um, and uh, it was absolutely an unnecessary loss. Oh, I'm so sorry and to hear that. What I'm wondering is where. Can I take an elderly uh, pet? Nobody would board her. Uh, she was a cat. She was 24 years old. She an amazing health. She had diabetes. That was it. But because she was so old and an indoor cat, nobody vaccinated her. And I could not find anybody in the valley to board her. You make a and really I, good point. Uh, boarding senior animals is, it, it can be very difficult because they're yeah. special needs. Also, they're a lot more yeah. susceptible to the negative impact of stress of being put in that type of situation. Yeah. So really kind of the best advice I would have for anybody with an elderly pet that needs to leave and can't travel with them would be to find someone to come to your home mm-hmm. so they can stay in their familiar environment. Yeah. yeah, it was impossible, and I, I wound up in the ER, and I had, oh, this has happened before, so I entrusted her with somebody, and they just decided to not give her her insulin. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's terrible. And then I got home, and she didn't bring the kitty cat back to me for three days. And when she did, I had, I just basically had a rag doll, and the stern leg rushed her to the vet, and we just couldn't, it's too late. Man, that's really rough. I'm so sorry to hear All of her organs, her blood work, everything was good. You know, she had a bad tooth. That was the worst thing that was wrong with her, and her diabetes was well controlled. So this was, you know, I don't know what to do if I ever had, I'm, I'm, because I will probably adopt again. Mm-hmm. I would like to adopt an older cat in need, but I don't know that I can take that responsibility on. So the elderly cat, should this happen, something like this happen again, and there's no place to board her. Yeah, so I guess just in the future, if you find yourself in a scenario where you need someone to help you care for a pet in your, you know, either in their home or your home, Outside of a boarding facility, there actually is a wonderful app, as there is for most things these days, 
It's called rover.com. And um, there are actually many people who provide pet sitting services in people's homes and they're registered there. And the nice thing about using that site, it's a website and it's an app. And um, so that's one resource. Otherwise you can call your, you know, your veterinary office. I know at our office we have cards of lots of locals who provide pet sitting services so that you can have a number of different people to call and get lined up even on short notice. Gosh, you know, I did have that and somebody from a, a volunteer organization that helped me back out um, well about a year ago, and they were they were they cut to the vet, but I didn't realize how long I was going to be in the hospital, and this time I didn't come home fast enough, and I did entrust her with a person of care, and they I don't know I don't know what happened. They just weren't returning my calls, and it was a very unfortunate situation that could have been avoided, and I just didn't know, do we have anything in the Valley of for geriatric pets? Yeah, and so kind of the last thing that I can say to that point is that Again, you know, check in with your veterinarian. I know at our office we offer medical boarding for, we don't board animals in general, but for certain scenarios where there's an animal with medical care needs that are above and beyond what most typical pet sitters can provide, um, you know, we'll take those animals. So you'll just want to check all your resources. And I understand sometimes it's, you know, you don't have the opportunity to do that if you had a hospital visit, then maybe you were... I am sure that you were had energy focused elsewhere, but that's that's my. I was, I was calling everywhere. I just advice. could find nothing. I'd called up and down the valley, and given her age, um, nobody said no. We can't do it. Um, so I, I had some somebody, a friend, take her, and they just kind of. I guess didn't understand the severity of it, but so I explained it, and they did not call a vet. So for any listeners who are hearing this, please, please um, try every resource you can. And even though I called daily, I wasn't getting responses, and I did. I tried care, asking animal shelter. I tried all the beds the boarding facilities my vet can't board and um this was just even though she was 24 <laughs> it was she was sprightly so <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm i'm just saddened but yeah. i just want to be prepared for the future and and let other people be aware that this somebody taking care of your kid um they need to understand that if you're if you're caretaking a child and they start running a fever or they're lethargic, they're not eating or they have, you know, issues with going to the bathroom, whatever, um, you would take hopefully the child to a pediatrician. Uh, this person didn't even call me or take her to a vet. Yeah. Um, so I am the outcome. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear about that. Um, and it's we okay. hear your we hear your words of caution. Um, I would reiterate, yeah, just 
explore all your options if you can, if you're in the health and the mindfulness too. Um, and I would just be cautious about who you choose for sure. So thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for your time. I appreciate your show. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye now. All righty. Um, just as a reminder, we kind of took a little bit of a, a detour there. We were gr- grateful to have that question. It helps us reiterate um, the care that we need to take of our pets for sure. So um, if you have any questions, go ahead, give us a call, 963-2976. Um, kind of moving right along with um we were talking about health certificates. Uh, I think we kind of covered all the interstate stuff with um, driving and flying. Um, the next one that I think we should cover uh, just kind of the basics on is international health certificates. So if you're planning on taking your dog or cat to, uh, let's see, Israel was one recently or Australia. Those are the ones that I've seen recently. Um, the process is a little bit more lengthy And I feel like it depends on where you're going. Each place has a specific requirement. Um, You can always find that info on the APHIS website. Um, Remind me of the website. It's www.aphis.gov.org. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Um, But this website has all the resources you could need for um, preparing your trip to, you know, say Israel uh, for a honeymoon with your pets. Um, it's uh, it's really good to have that information before um, you give a vet clinic a call. Um, a lot of times we have to do a little bit of research um, to kind of figure out what we need on our end. So, um, Dr. Marin, do you want to tell us about your recent experience or if you've had experience with that yet? You know, it, it comes as a surprise to a lot of people that individuals will travel internationally with their pets. Um, but, but they do. And so that website, you mentioned the animal plant health inspection services, the APHIS website is, um, it's a really great resource for anybody that's considering traveling with their pet. And a lot of times the requirements aren't terribly rigorous. It's more Mm -hmm. the timeline that can really be a hang up. So, you know, there are certain requirements, for example, Your pet may have gotten a microchip when they were young and they may be up to date on their rabies vaccination, but a lot of the foreign countries, especially in the European Union, they want your pet to have received their rabies vaccine after their microchip was placed. And so you have to have documentation to prove the dates of those different services. And then once, you know, if those are in the correct order, then that rabies vaccine has to have been in the animal for a certain number of days for example uh going to switzerland it has to be Mm -hmm. a minimum of 21 days so you definitely don't want to wait until you're 30 days out from your trip or two weeks out from your trip and call your vet and say i want to take my pet with me to this place on this date because we don't have any control over Mm -hmm. these time frames that are set by these different countries that their requirements revolve around so definitely doing your own research ahead of time and You know, if you don't remember the website or you're not quite sure where to look, definitely give your vet a call and we can help guide you to some resources. So that's kind of the main thing is just, you know, and then there's some, there are some really quirky things. For sure. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Marin. We covered a lot today. That was great. Um, Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us. 